Welcome to the Monday Lorians, a podcast where a bunch of Star Wars fans get together for a chat on a Monday discussing the latest episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Today we're going to be talking about the second episode titled Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. This one is directed by Steph Green and written once again by John Favreau. And I'm your host, Jay Carr. I'm a podcaster, a sound designer and a writer on the Fresh Take Hub. And I'm joined today by... It's me. It's Niall. I, I've returned. Somehow you have returned. You know, for the, for the listeners, I actually died in Camino, and this is my identical clone. Is this you coming out of your own Sarlacc Yeah, pit? I raised him to take over for the podcast when I died. <laughs> It'll go on forever. <laughs> uh, so it's just you and me today, Niall. Dave, unfortunately, cannot join us today. He's um, got tangled up with, with the huts. Yeah. Uh, so he's... Uh, he couldn't uh, buy his passage across the Dune Sea. I, th- I think that has to be the new rule. If one of us is absent now, we need like a, a Star Wars related reason why. And it's going <laughs> to yes. become part of our own tangled lore. <laughs> we're going to get so confused by the yeah. end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're back week two on the book of Boba Fett and Nile. Uh, it's a shame you couldn't join us for the premiere. Uh, as you uh, heard, we were geeking out a lot about the episode and stuff, but we also discussed like our thoughts and feelings on Star Wars going forward, with 2022 being a very, very packed year for Star Wars. So where's your head at uh, with Lucasfilm and Star Wars going forward? So yeah, no, it's nice, because last year, you know, we had Bad Batch, which was, of course, a delight. Uh, listeners who may be new to the show, go and listen to those and watch the Bad Batch because it's sick but <laughs> yeah no i mean uh, i'm very happy that it's looking like quite a stacked year yeah because between bad bat and visions which i'm actually still watching i've been really spacing those out because those are quite delightful too it's nice that we're looking at a slate to really like delve into and about a lot more a lot more subjects than just masked men <laughs> which is so far the <laughs> yes. live action shows <laughs> but you know uh, no, it's all very, very exciting. And we've seen so little of what's to come, really. Like, I feel like, well, maybe at the end of this, they'll finally get like a teaser or something. Because I feel like they're really focusing on showing us one thing at a time to kind of maybe avoid the burnout. People generally feel, I think Marvel do the same, don't they? It's like they start to really advertise once the last thing's out, or at least one thing's out. Um, so it's not like three things yeah, at the same time. I, I think Marvel are normally well ahead of Lucasfilm with their promoting though. Oh, Lucasfilm yeah. tend, tend to keep stuff pretty close to the chest. I mean, we saw with Book of Boba Fett yeah. that none of the critics got any screeners as well. So. Just remember when Solo was coming out and there wasn't a trailer till like a few months before the film came out. It was like a really weirdly mm. tight turnaround on that. And obviously that one had its own production issues, but I think they're just being like quite nice and clever with it. And um, and so far I'm in, I'm enjoying the show. It's um I I will say I did agree with some critics where the first episode I did I watched it and I really enjoyed it but I was thinking like what's like the hook of this show 
maybe like for us we like really like this character we got our backstory but i'm thinking for like someone new who comes in maybe it's like what's to immediately grab onto other than like a cool sci-fi western thing because obviously um mandalorian proved if you have like an adorable puppet everyone will go crazy and they, they couldn't just do that again but it would be very funny if they did and it's just feeling like this is something where maybe the the whole appeal of it won't be clear until it's all out maybe it's like going to be a very complete story because it's setting up so many like flashbacks and visions of like things that happened in the past and it's like are these going to be like is that kind of giving you like a starter to his backstory or is this something that's going to pay off in full later on like there'll be some closure for him you know but uh yeah i'm kind of rambling all over the shop there but this is what happens when i miss an episode (laughs) um but yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it so far. And uh, yeah, and it was really fun hearing you guys talk about it. It made me think about a lot of things that I hadn't considered as well. So it's, a, it's always a joy. Star Wars is always a joy. I was trying to look at it that way as well. Um, and I think I even brought it up in last week's episode that I'm trying to look at it from an outside perspective going into the show. And I felt, and I said that I felt as it maybe could have needed that extra episode, mm. you know, release two episodes on the first day to hook people onto yeah. it. Uh, but it's very difficult for me, being such a huge Star Wars nerd and bigger Boba Fett fan, to take myself out yeah. of that. So I'm going to have a certain bias on the on the episode. You know, I've got a I've got a trick I do because um, my mother hates Star Wars. <laughs> she, she's seen two of them though. She saw Attack of the Clones <laughs> and and the Clone Wars movie <laughs> and the Force Awakens. But that was nice though, because that from that spectrum, it wasn't just like this is like one of the like lesser generally enjoyed ones and that's why she didn't enjoy it it's like oh she had like kind of a good spectrum of like probably the most accessible one as well she's like okay i still don't like this and i always think it's good to maybe like watch one and think like oh is this a clones or a force awakens in terms of like introducing (laughs) someone but you know obviously clones have seen a lot of love recently you know yes i mean the main character of this show is a clone yeah. so. and I, w- I won't lie one of my great joys in the last episode was seeing some like new renders of Camino for live action I was like oh it's mm. looking really good <laughs> yeah so uh, Attack of the Clones getting a lot of love lately yeah. and uh, with its uh, 20th anniversary this year mm. it's only going to get bigger the celebrations so uh, uh, <laughs> let's let's get into it then to episode two uh, that's chapter two, The Tribes of Tatooine, as I mentioned, directed by Steph Green, written by John Favreau, and also uh, director of photography is by Dean Cundey. I know, I just read it in your notes, and I uh, I freaked out. I was like, what the hell? Really? An absolute legend, Jurassic Park, Halloween as well, I think he All shot. All the Back to the Futures, the thing. Future movies. Yeah, the thing. An absolute legend and titan in the industry. Also, Jack and, and Jill like, and Garfield. But hey. <laughs> hey. Hey, sometimes you need that paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just a really nice surprise. And I can just imagine like John Favreau or Robert Rodriguez being a big fan of his work mm. and be like, hey, do you want to you wanna come and play in, in our little sandbox of toys here? I w- yeah, I wonder, is it a case like some of these um, like seasoned DOPs want to check out this new technology, the... Um, What's it called again? The uh, the, volume. the volume. That's it. Yeah, you you referenced the volume on the last episode, and because I didn't know the name of it, I thought you were like talking about the audio levels, and I was like, oh, they were good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm in the loop. Sometimes I'm very out of the loop. 
<laughs> well, let's hope we can bring you yeah. back in the loop <laughs> for this episode. Uh, so, yeah, so let, let's get into our overall thoughts of this episode. Niall, what did you think of this quite beefy 52 minutes of Star Wars? Very beefy episode. So a bit, a bit of backstory is I watched this on my way traveling back to the UK from Ireland, where I was for Christmas, you know. Finally got to see my family after a while. My family who ate Star Wars, which is very rough. Some people fear politics coming up at the dinner table. I fear Star Wars. but <laughs> Star Wars politics. Star Wars politics, yeah. And so, yeah, I had always planned like, okay, well, I'm going to be on a bus at six. So at 8 a.m. the episode goes up. So I'm going to whip out my laptop and watch it on the bus. And when I saw it was almost an hour long, I was like, holy hell, this is going to take me a lot further than I thought. And there was a poor, um, a poor older woman behind me who had to watch the whole thing. And I really wonder, like, without audio, what the hell did she make of what was happening in front of her? <laughs> Especially during the uh, lizard acid trip. I really enjoyed this episode. Like, uh, we'll get into why. It plays to a lot of things I love in films generally. I'd say maybe my, my one critique is, and I think we discussed this a bit off air, is so far the kind of quote-unquote modern-day aspect of the story, like the... Boba Fett crime and stuff is not as compelling to me as the Tuscan stuff mm-hmm. and I just have a few issues with it that we'll get into as we go along but the Tuscan stuff yeah I'm really enjoying it it's like a very like no one would have predicted this I feel like that's almost the Grogu of this isn't it is how much of the mm-hmm. show is about him becoming a a, a tribesman so uh, yeah but Jake what did you make of this one of the first things I said when this episode finished was, I think that might be one of the finest bits of Star Wars I've ever seen. Um, I absolutely loved it. I was so engrossed in the story. Um, I'll get my one critique out of the way, which is same as yours, Niall. Mm. Um, while I am enjoying the present day stuff with Fennec Shand and the Crime Lord stuff, uh, I'm enjoying it but it's just not as interesting or as compelling as what's going on with the Tuscans. Mm. Uh, so in a way, I was kind of glad that a big chunk of this episode, I think we only get the present day stuff for about 15 minutes or yeah, just under. Very light on it. Yeah, and then the rest of it is just the Tuscan stuff, which I was like, you know what? That's fine mm. because I just really want to spend time here building upon what he's doing, going through the emotions. You know, they're not rushing anything. Yeah. And to go back to what you said earlier on, like, I think everything is going to eventually climax at the end. Because if you remember, a lot of people had cri- the same sort of criticisms with uh, Mando at mm. the beginning. With certain episodes, like, oh, where is this leading to? Is that just filler? You know, mm. that term that we hate here. Yeah. Um, but it all eventually leads up to something in the end. Whether it's not in that season or the second season, whatever, it will lead up to something. And I just think they're laying the groundwork here and they're yeah. really taking their time. I'm absolutely loving it. I'm. It was a very, very similar to Boba's journey in this episode. It was a very spiritual journey for me to watch this episode, <laughs> and it really moved me emotionally. Watching Boba's journey with the Tuskins and going through this journey of self-discovery, um, I was really moved by it. Genuinely, genuinely, really moved by it. Um, and at the same time, I love my pew pew pew, and we had some really, really awesome Star Wars action in here. 
I love my train heists. I love my westerns. Oh, and you got me there. That's what I was going to bring up. Like, I yeah. think one of my favorite things in anything is a train heist. I, I just love them. Um, and I, I, I did love... an air punch on the bus without thinking oh, wait, when I realized that's where it was going. I was like, yeah, yes. that old woman hates my guts. I'm ruining her morning. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that as well, that um, I wonder what she thought without any audio, because once again, a lot of this episode is done with l- not a lot of dialogue. Mm. It's a lot of visual storytelling. And again, that's another aspect of this show I'm really, really digging. And something I'm, something I'm curious about, because it came up in this and obviously has been um, a few recent Marvel projects with it. But it seems like, was he using um, ASL? Talking to the Tuscans, a uh, sign language? He is, yeah. That's really interesting. I like this mm. this push towards it. It's just nice because I think it is raising awareness for it as well. You know, mm. it's something I'd love to learn. I also feel it's so naturally mm. developed into what we see Book of Boat Fit from what we've seen with um, the Tuscans in Mando. Yeah. Do you know, from season one, they gave us that little bit and they even get, and Mando even dropped, you know, we have to pay passage to go through their, yeah. to their land. And I'm like, oh, these little attentions to details are all naturally developing to what we're seeing here in Book of Boba Fett. Uh, and I'm just in love with this episode. Mm. Um, I, I, and, man, Tamora Morrison, he's having the time of his life playing this character. Yeah. Uh, and some fantastic Star Wars comedy as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into the story then, Niall, into the, the specifics. All right, let's hop in. So we begin outside Jabba's palace where we see uh, Fennec Shand leading on from the last episode, leading the captured assassin into the palace. They walk through the infamously crazy large gates, made bigger in a special edition, of course, into the throne room where Boba Fett is holding court. Fett demands to know who sent him and what were his orders. Uh, Niall's favourite pervert robot, 8D8, (laughs) explains that the prisoner is from the Order of the Nightwind, an assassin for hire. He says there's no way the prisoner will talk, adding that he fears no man. Shan suggests that the prisoner will fear the Rancor and presses the button that activates the trapdoor to the Rancor's den. The assassin falls, to, falls down, panicking, thinking the Rancor is going to come out and get him, and tells him he was sent by the mayor of Mos Espa. Shan reveals that the Rancor's den is, of course, empty. Uh, new listeners to the show, check out a movie called Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Fett and Shand decide they need to visit the mayor. What do you think about this lovely opening, Jake? It got me. They they, they fooled me. Um, I actually thought there might be something down there with the Rancor thing. And Niall, <laughs> I was even thinking of you, Niall, at this point, because I was half expecting Moochie to be in there. <laughs> From um, the Bad Batch. Because uh, yeah. we did find out. It was like, oh, Jabba's actually got more than one Rancor in his, uh, in his palace there. So... They got me hot. I was like, oh, is there actually going to be something there? Uh, but no, there wasn't. I, I love like all the nods and references to Return of the Jedi. Like They had a lot of the similar mm. shots of like looking up and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's good. And um, the order, what's it called? Order of the Nightwind. Order of the Nightwind. Uh, yeah, that's a cool name. Um, Want to know more about these guys? Uh, although, I don't know, the look could be a bit better, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some elements of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, which sometimes let it down. I think it's in its the budget of costumes and stuff like that. Yeah. Some of them look fantastic. Others leave more to be desired, I think. Yeah. And uh, as much as I loved them, and we spoke off here about them, like uh, the loyal pig boys, 
when you see him like pictures him next to the movie ones you realize like okay these are like full extravagant costumes and these are just like rather built men wearing pig masks which are fine mm-hmm. of course but it's uh, always a funny comparison given how often these shows are on parity with the movies effect wise and costume wise but yeah i feel like these nightwing guys they kind of maybe didn't dress them too extravagantly so I think they're not meant to be thought of like, this is going to be the biggest part of the story is this cult. This is just another fun little thing. But because as we learn, if you make someone look too cool, they end up making countless films and TV shows and stuff about you. And you'll die. You might die disappointingly. And you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. 40 years later. 40 years later. (laughs) I'd say my one problem with this scene really is um, I I really hate when Fennec Shan says, haha, it's empty or something like that. I was like, oh, come on, you know. Oh, what, the performance from the delivery of the line? It's not, no, or? it's the line itself. The audience has just seen it's empty and it's almost like, I don't know, it felt like oh, right. they okay, almost didn't yeah. trust you to get it in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think this show mm-hmm. does such a good job of like, yeah, as you say, like visual storytelling. It's, a, yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, just cut it, just cut it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I also, I, I like the angle that, because, you know, th- the whole thing of this series is like, I intend to rule with respect and not fear and stuff like that. But but like I said, he's he wants to do that. Mm. And he's willing to give you a chance. But if you don't, you know, agree with Boba, he's going to turn to fear and he's going to cut your head off. Uh, so <laughs> I think there's, th- there's still an element of that ruthless bounty hunter in him that he's like, let's just have a chat, have a drink. Yeah. But if you cross me, I am willing to kill you. You see, like, it was pretty reasonable, though, all things considered. Like, this man tried to kill him. And in the end, he does just give him a, a big spook, you know? It's, uh, mm. Yeah. Well he, well, he does say Ichuta to him as he well. He does, which, which you don't disrespectful. say. I might have to bleep that out in the edit. I don't know what it means. I'm scared. <laughs> um, I think someone like, you know, one of these Star Wars uh, fans who can translate Arabe- um, Arabesh, is it? I uh, said Arabic like, for a second. I was very confused. Not Arabic. <laughs> um, which I think uh, they it does translate to F U. Ooh. Uh, so that droid was very rude. Yeah, three PO was right. Yeah, Let's get a movement going. <laughs> so yeah, um, Fett and Shand lead the captured assassin through the streets of Mos Espa, accompanied by the pig boys. They walk into the town hall where Fett tells a clerk he is here to see the mayor. The receptionist doesn't even really seem to know who he is. <laughs> uh, and tells him to wait, but is overruled by the Twi'lek Major Domo, who apologizes for the lack of pomp, once again saying that they didn't see the... Uh, what's the word for it, sorry? The, the litter. The litter, yeah. yeah. Which is turning into like a, a recurring thing with these people. So he uh, he claims the mayor is indisposed for the rest of the week, but Fett forces his way into the mayor's throne room. The Athorian mayor, Mok Shaiz, demands an explanation for the unscheduled visit, and Fett demands to know why the mayor sent the assassin to kill him. Shaiz explains that the assassin is a member of the Order of the Nightwind, and when Fett asks if this is an admission of guilt, one of the mayor's guards shoots the assassin. Shaiz uh, elaborates, saying that this order are not allowed to operate outside hut space, and thanks Fett for turning him in. He orders his guards to bring him the reward, and Fett replies that he will take the payment as a belated tribute. He adds that the mayor should remember that as long as he serves as a daimyo of Tatooine, he decides what goes. Shaiz asks Fett to consider who really sent the assassins and claims he has no motive for killing Fett. Shaiz also warns him that running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting, 
and to go to Gersafwip's sanctuary to get a real idea of what he means by this. So yeah, we finally meet the mayor, who is a character I think was briefly seen in trailers or in promotional material. Uh, and Thorian, one of my absolute favorite aliens in the series, uh, voiced by Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't get at all from the episode hearing because I just don't know how the man speaks, but it's another another fun voice cameo, though. And yeah, what do you think of the trip to the mayor's office? Uh, well, first of all, uh, like you, I didn't know it was Robert Rodriguez at first, uh, but then I found out that it was, and on my rewatch, I was like, yeah, I, c- I can hear Robert Rodriguez now. Uh, now that I know it's him, because I've I've watched countless like behind the scenes of of his movies and stuff, so uh, I know what he sounds like. Um, yeah, I, I I was I dug this. First of all, the look of the Authorian is awesome, mm, man. The, he's the mayor, good. like like I'm so glad they were like, no, let's make something practical, make uh, the animatronic. And I just thought that the attention to detail at all on the little hairs and stuff, just so cool. And I just love the way Authorian sounds. You know, they got the yeah. sort of vocal. And then with the, the translator, it's just so well done. But the lead up, the lead up into the mayor, uh, in terms of comedy, was absolutely hilarious. As the clerk is, honestly, he's straight out of A New Hope. Like, he's got that 1970s mustache and the look to him. And he's just, oh, I just love the Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> like, nobody seems to know who this guy is. Um, and he's just, I think he's playing with him a bit there, but he's also like, mm, okay, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, And then the major, major Domo comes out, oh, you just deal with this. I'm just going to go on my lunch yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks so disinterested. And then the Mayor Joma again. I really like this fakeness to to all these sort of parties, like the Mayor Jomo, the Mayor mm. itself, and Garza Whip, of like it's they're being polite, but really it's a slap in the face to Boba. Like it's like, oh, you, you're cute, you know. It's cute to think that you can run this place, and you know. And there's a lot of red tape. You don't know how this world operates. You know, g- go back to what you're good at doing. Yeah. Um. And you know, the, oh, forgive us the lack of pomp, but we did the litter thing is just great. <laughs> I love that they keep on following on to that. And then we see how powerful litter, a litter can be mm. in a bit. Um. So it's funny that they keep referencing it. But yeah, I I like the comedy leading up to it, and then the the interaction between him and the mayor. It's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I'm hoping that's a character who um who has a larger role to play in this. Because he's just like, oh, he's just so neat to look at, you know. <laughs> that, that's enough for me, yeah. Gonna make a show about him, you know. Yeah, I, I, I echo most of your thoughts. I think the comedy leading up, I don't know why. It just didn't It didn't work as much for me. It felt oddly like a bit of an SNL sketch at first. It's like Boba Fett going to an appointment. There's <laughs> a dorky clerk. But, you know, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's just certain things like rub me the right way or wrong way and there's a lot of moments in this that do did really crack me up i i have realized and this is from the first episode as well a lot of my favorite jokes involve uh <laughs> out of nowhere extreme violence like the guy getting blown <laughs> up in the first one i just love it so yeah I'm, I'm i've been well served i can't whine i also found it quite funny as they're walking through the town like all the Trent, the Trendoshans just all hate Boba Fett, don't they? They all like stopping. They're eating their breakfast morning eggs, and they're like, "Oh, it's Boba Fett." Just <laughs> so it's like Bosk's extended family. If there's like a a feud, <laughs> leading on, Fett and his entourage revisit Garza's sanctuary. Fett explains that the mayor sent him there on the pretext that there's something he should know. 
Garrus explained that the twins have laid claim to their late cousin Jabba's bequest. Fett replies that he has heard the twins were preoccupied with Al-Hutter and too busy to bother with Tatooine. Then the cantina grows quiet as they hear drums beating in the background. They all walk outside to see a procession carrying two huts on a litter and as the litter approaches, the hut brother tells Fett that they have business to discuss. Fett explains that it's his territory, prompting this hut brother to reiterate that this is Jabba's territory and now, by their rules, it belongs to them. So there's a back and forth of Fett rejecting the claim and then, you know, uh, making their claim. And then an armed black Wookiee known as Black... And I don't know if there is... Anyone's ever said it before, but... A cr- croissantan. Chris- croissant. <laughs> croissant. <laughs> black croissant. Black croissant. Yeah, black croissant. <laughs> that's canon on the show now. Um, that's, well, that's the name of the episode, isn't it? <laughs> black croissant. <laughs> approaches Fett. Uh, and Fett... Uh, there's a lot of this. Fett explains that Mars Espit is his territory and tells him to go back to Nalhutta. And the brother says it's very funny that Fett has upset his sister and he is more patient than her who wants to kill him. It looks like there's going to be a standoff or a fight, but the brother eventually diffuses it, saying that bloodshed is bad for business and this can be dealt with later. As the drummers beat their drums, the two huts withdraw and Shan tells Fett that they will have to get permission to kill them since they're huts. Fett suggests that the matter is settled but accepts that it is not yet over. But Jay, what do you make of all this uh, big trouble in Little Moss Esper? I really like this stuff. Like this is now in this sort of scene is where the present day stuff starts to get really interesting for me uh, compared to what we've seen up until this point. Um, this had this is for me is the hook of the show is now you've got the huts involved. What does that mean? Um, like in the first of all, the, the scene in, in the sanctuary, um, Jennifer Beals is playing this character, even though she's not, she hasn't got a lot to work with at the minute, but she's still carrying herself so regally. Uh, she looks fantastic. I can't believe she's the beautiful. Woman is nearly, like, it's insane. I can't, I can't believe she's nearly 60. Yeah. Like, the woman doesn't age. Um, mm. uh, and, and, you know, we've had our criticisms of how Tweelicks have looked in the past, but they've done a bang up job on, on how she looks with her leku and stuff. It looks great. Their interaction with Fett is awesome. Like he's like, "Oh, you're, what did he say? Like you're you're sweating more than a Gundaba or Mustafa yeah. or something." <laughs> uh, I didn't don't quite catch what he said there, but it was it was a weird phrasing. Well, I need to just stop just because I lo- I love how he says everything, but I especially love how he says Tetuin. He's got he's got a very specific way of saying it that has kind of made that word fun again for me. Tatooine, left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. I live for it. It's great. It's great. Uh, we'll get more comment lines of him a bit later. Um, but yeah, And then it's so as well, classic Western as well, that the band just stops when something happens. And I love that. That, that must be like a, a, you know, one of the conditions if you want to join the band. It's like, how well can you just stop playing when something's about to go down? Mm. Uh, and the whole buildup of the drums and seeing the huts, it, for me, it was glorious. I was just like, oh, wow. Um, and apart from... You know, our our main boy, Jabba the Hutt, in Return of the Jedi. I think this is the best Huts have ever looked in Star Wars. Uh, compa- compared to what we've seen see Jabba in Phantom Menace uh, and the, some of the goofier looking Huts that we see in like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Um, I am still a bit like, ah, you could have maybe done it practical. 
I think that there would have been a way where you could have, you know, gone back to that Jabba the Hutt practical style. But I understand in some sense if you're going to be doing two of them and you've also got this litter thing that people have to carry. I can understand if you just wanted to do it CGI. But then there's something in me, my Star Wars original trilogy heart is like, ah, you could have done that practical though. It would have been great to see a, a practical hut again. Yeah, that was um, one of my biggest knocks against the episode. And I know it's unreasonable to say, but uh, yeah, these guys, I think I've, I have a big problem with this in general is when I've first been shown something practically, like as a practical thing, like even Yoda compared to how he looks in the prequels is then every time I see it CG, it's just not quite right for me. Mm-hmm. Like, the way these things move, it's like... I don't know. It's like the practical one, obviously, I know it's an object, but the way it moves, I can really sense its being there. Mm-hmm. And these guys, you know, introducing two new characters like this, like I just really wish they were. But, um, but you know, I like her, so it's it's fun to see some... A little, little surprised... It, <laughs> that they went with these guys instead of the son who we had set up in a whole movie you know stinky I, I did see that as like that would be a big felony move but i'm surprised he withheld his own uh, you know his own creation like that is impressive almost well i was actually gonna ask you now like where do you think rata is aka stinky um like i have this headcanon that maybe the twins offed rata so they could get in there um, because they they specified that the twins are Jabba's cousins. Yeah. So it also, again, not confirmed, but it leads me to believe that these twins could, bring, could be the, the children of Zero, who oh, was yeah. Jabba's, Jabba's uncle. Mm. Uh, that we spent a lot of time with him in the, the Clone Wars. Too much time, I would argue. <laughs> I would say yes, too much time at times. Uh, not my favorite interpretation of a hut, I should no. say. But uh, um, did lead to some great size noodles content. So, oh, good. that was, yeah, that was something that episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it has got my my uh, my cannon head ticking about what's happened to Rada and, and what's the deal with the huts and and in general, like w- what is up with the huts deal? Because, like, was because I think Jabba was like pretty much the last great hut you know mm. because da- didn't darth maul kill them all <laughs> in he the did Clone yeah. <laughs> yeah it's interesting i wonder is uh is that something we might find out about is this are we going to learn more about like the hut inner family because it seems like it's kind of the jabba dynasty the last dregs of it mm-hmm. but, you know and um as well and this is this is a very just specific opinion thing of mine is uh, I'm I noticed this Wookiee character from the comics because he was quite an early like addition to like a quote unquote new canon, which is like early, a yeah. big new character who they pushed, and I've never had any real feelings on this this character. I I don't know what it is, but I've never really had anything to go off other than like he's an evil Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's well... he's mean and he's uh, scary looking, but. A big scary looking Wookiee, yeah. If any, like, if I could have chosen, like, any bounty hunter from the comics or films to show up, this is probably the least exciting one they could have picked. And I, you know, people like Wookiees. People like Wookiees. Um, for me, it was definitely, uh, oh, shit, uh, you know, sort of moment. Like, mm. <laughs> seeing him come up, come on. 
and it did. It, I didn't recognize him. In, well, I recognized him, but I was like, "Where's he from? Where's he from? Like, yeah. he's from something." I was thinking, um, and then I remembered he's from the comics, and then I remembered I was like, mm, "Wasn't my favorite sort of look for a Wookiee and yeah. Joe?" And I've have a interesting <laughs> relationship with the Star Wars comics. Like, I love comics as a medium for like certain stories, and uh, but yeah. I don't know. Star Wars is a weird one with comics. Like sometimes they do what comics do, and they do very comic things. Yeah. Which for me doesn't always align with Star no. Wars. Um, <laughs> so a gladiator Wookiee. Uh, I was like, yeah, sure, it sounds cool on paper, but I don't know. It, it wasn't for me. But at the same time, I have to appreciate um, what with you know nostalgia being a big talking point at the minute and fan service mm. with certain projects that have been released recently um if there's a way which there pro- a lot this can be debated uh, of doing fan service properly um or at least subtly i think this was one of those ways in the sense of like you don't n- have to have known who this character is you don't have to have needed to mm. read the comics and stuff like that Everything you need to know about this character is right there in front of you as he walks on screen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And for the people who are fans of that character and have read the comics, it's like, oh, it's that guy, you know, the sort of thing. But they don't make a point in the show of saying it's this guy from this comic. (laughs) Yeah. I did think it was weird when Fennec Shand was like, oh, free comic day is coming up. But, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i i do agree with you i think maybe it's just because i do know who it is that kind of slow motion walk in felt to me a bit like a oh hell look who it is it's black croissant that- from the comics <laughs> black croissant and i then i have to think again about like you know the people who don't know these things who just like, like oh cool a spin-off of the mandalorian it's like oh is is this a character <laughs> it's it's one of those entrances because mm-hmm. it's funny when you think like um or the character this show is all based around is introduced in like a wide shot, you know, with like 10 other guys in suits. And I, that's what I like is like how these things kind of naturally get your attention. And this guy is just like mean Chewbacca. (laughs) Basically. Uh, And in the comics as well, isn't he introduced alongside Boba Fett? Ooh, I'm trying. I I think they've like done some like job stick, like they know each other. They do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've worked together on jobs and stuff like that. So Yeah, it's been a while because I, I read those, I think, when they came out. It's like mm. 2015, I think, the character was introduced. 2014, 2015, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, a while ago now. But uh, it's cool that they are still looking at those things as somewhere to draw from. Because uh, um, yeah. And of course, he I think he's quite a large character in the Doctor Aphra stuff, who is a, a really great new character. Yes. So yes. I, I hope that means they are they might be looking at you know, characters in the vicinity of Black Croissant to bring into the <laughs> into Sto- the Star Wars shows. Oh, I think they're definitely looking at Dr. Aphra. Um, oh, they better bring, be. I think there is definitely something happening. Anyway, so um, we'll move on then uh, as we, we're finished with the present day stuff now. <laughs> we go back to Boba's Palace. It's still weird to say Boba's Palace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, I'm used to saying Jabba's Palace. Uh, but where he's back in the the back to tank and experiencing more flashbacks of his time with the Tuscan Raiders, so um, he's there learning how to wield a gaffy stick from the Tuscan. The main Tuscan warrior is teaching him how to hold the stick, you know, properly before powering 
but she keeps on knocking the staff out of Fett's hand before telling him to keep practicing and practicing and practicing. Uh, then we hear an animal's roar in the background. Uh, the Tuscans take up position as an armored hover train is approaching. Uh, blaster bolts from the train start to take out the Banthers and several Tuscan raiders. Uh, but then the train rides away into the desert. And then, unfortunately, several Tuscans uh, are killed and wounded by the gunners. So later that night, the Tuscans are cremating their fallen soldiers, and Feck himself carries the remains of a young Tuscan youth, and his parents fling his remains over the fire. So Fett is really troubled by what's just happened, and he's drinking from a black melon, as we find out what it's called today. Uh, and he sees several speeder bikes passing their encampment, and he speaks to the tribal elders, vowing he will stop the train. Uh, with a rifle and a stick, uh, and he promises to be back by morning. The chief is skeptical. Fett, Fett will win, but lets him go ahead. So before we get into the first big sort of action sequence, you could say, of the episode, uh, Niall, what did you think of this uh, opening back with the Tuscans and him learning how to use the gaffy stick from this, and then obviously the the main crux of the episode where we see the hover train and the poor Tuscans and Banthers getting killed. <laughs> well, I'd love um, the funny thing about the gaffy stick is it's something like that kind of prop is thing that's been there since the very first film. And, you know, it's just designed by a guy who's like, oh, let's do an alien weapon. And years later, these guys have to like make an explanation like, oh, no, there's actually an intricate fighting style to this really stupidly shaped stick. But I love and that. To, and, and to get that stick, you have to go on a spiritual journey. <laughs> yeah. But then also in the same like breath, you were describing that it's like this this underground gourd yeah that looks like a black melon it's called a black melon you know sometimes they're like let's be weird and alien and other times like let's let's call it what it is <laughs> but yeah like like i said earlier when i realized this was going to be a, a train heist slash robbery i just couldn't be happier i'm just that's my happy place to be in is knowing <laughs> they're gonna do something very stupid and dangerous on something very fast I'm like I said at the top. I'm loving all the Tuscan stuff. Uh, Joanna Bennett, who plays the Tuscan warrior, mm. uh, she's just phenomenal. Yeah, uh, because without saying any dialogue, she's expressing and saying so much mm. in her body language, her mannerisms, even just when she's not moving, just how she stands mm. uh, as the character is just incredible. Um, and she was actually gave me one of like the fist pumping moments uh, towards when they were doing the train heist, which I just loved. Um, I'm just loving to see their relationship develop. Um, but at the same time, uh, watching this episode and seeing how Boba is, you know, integrating with the tribe and becoming one of them, I can't help but feel as if, oh, I feel as if we're leading to some sort of tragedy with the Tuscans. Um, yeah. And they're, they're, they're doing this on purpose. You know, John Favreau knows what he's doing. He's, he's getting us emotionally attached to this tribe, to the warrior, to the kid mm. as well. Um, to then be <laughs> have our hearts ripped apart yeah. <laughs> at the end of the show somehow. Especially now that they've crossed a criminal syndicate. You can mm. kind of see where these threads are die, you know, starting to come together past and present to meeting. And it's funny, actually, in the first episode, obviously this episode, like, killed this for me. It's, that's, like, something I was considering is that um, the gaffy stick he had in Mandalorian. I was thinking, like, oh, maybe... Uh, his friend gives it to him as she's dying or something, you know, and that's the stick that, you know, that's just me trying to do like screenwriter brain, which is always a thing I like, I should learn to 
turn off because it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it gets me in trouble. Uh, Fett then travels to Toshi Station, who which is uh, frequent, which is uh, frequented by several Nikto miners. Uh, among the people there are Kami and Fixer. Uh, so I'm going to stop there. I'm just going to say that Toshi Station and Kami and Fixer are from that deleted scene from the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, where Luke goes up to pick up some power converters and he talks to Biggs. We see Kami and Fixer there. Uh, before I go further on into the story, this is, a, again, a more of the subtle fan service where mm. they didn't mention it's it's um, Toshi Station. They didn't mention these people were Kami and Fixer. I only found out they were Kami and Fixer when I was watching the credits. And I was like, oh, that's Kami and Fixer who are there. Uh, and then later found out that it, I sort of worked out it was Toshi Station just by the look of it. Because um, I'd seen that deleted scene so many times. <laughs> uh, but again, it's subtle. It's not saying, oh, I'm going to Toshi Station. It's just like he just went there. Yeah. Uh, what did What did you think of the little reference to Toshi Station and Kami and Fixer? It's cool. Yeah, I love that. It's just completely unsaid. Like that. that it's a deep dive, but it spends very little time there. You know, because even if there was a bit where he said like I'm going to Toshi Station, I'd have like groaned a bit because it mm. makes the world feel small. But this is like a lovely little. You know, they built a set in the seventies. We never got to see it in a proper thing. So now. They've done it again. It's it's nice for the people who designed that stuff back then. One thing I want to say, and I think this is despicable, is I don't think this show should promote this, but the bar should not be serving Nikto Miners. You have to be old enough to drink. <laughs> God, <laughs> I wanted to say that oh, for like the last three minutes. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Moving Move on. Along. So... Uh, one of the Nyctos uh, takes some of the food and drink from Kami and Fixer's table. Uh, Fixer's like, this is not right, prompting Nikto to ask, did you say anything? And the Nikto grabs and restrains Fixer and Kami. However, they are interrupted by Boba Fett. The epic shot of him in just the shadow of him in the doorway. Again, classic Western. Uh, he walks into the cantina armed with the gaffy stick and rifle. He disarms one of the attackers. A second Nikto shoots at him, but Fett shoots him first, fights off the remaining uh, Nyctos, wounding and killing some of them with the gaffy stick. And finally, he hurls one more through a window <laughs> before stopping to have a drink. This is just classic Western tropes, Nile. A bar fight, throwing somebody out the window, and just before you leave, you have a shot. <laughs> What, what did you think of this uh, little uh, fight scene? So, Because, again, there was a lot of criticisms uh, from people last week of, like, oh, this very slow, not much action. This is Boba Fett. We expect action. Well, here's your action. Well, you know, lead, remembering something that we were all uh, on the show, like, a big fan of from his introduction to Mandalorian is this felt like um, uh, the crazy desert hobo origin story. You're seeing like a man in his long johns beat people in a bar with a stick, you know. <laughs> it gave me a huge kick for that. And uh, yeah, it's funny, he comes into a situation and you can tell this is obviously very different to who he is in the kind of present day stuff, so to speak, is, you know, he walks into the situation and almost instantly violence ensues. He doesn't make a case for himself, you know. It, yeah, there's, there's no respect here, is there? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, 
it's a rough one and just a scene it ends on like a perfect cut of i think the bartender taking the money there's like a really beautiful a comedic cut and uh yeah, and I'd, like as I was saying, like this hits on a lot of things I love in films and TV: bar fights and train robberies. Ten out of ten. Love it. So uh, yeah, he then leaves the cantina and inspects the speeder bikes from the Nikdos, and the following day he returns to the Tuscan Raiders camp uh, with all the speeder bikes, and then Fett says they are a gift for them. Uh, but then in a comic, I just found it hilarious how he turned around and they're there just banging away on the speeders. He's like, no, no, no. What? These are mine. <laughs> Which I found funny. I was like, didn't you just give them to the Tuscans? And then you were like, no, these are mine. <laughs> you, uh, I just, I don't know. It was such a, I, I just found it hilarious. It was, I thought it was really good timing of comedy and stuff. How they just, the banging of the, the dismantling and stuff. It, it was great. Um, and, but then Fett stops them all and he says, I will teach you to ride to stop the train, uh, which is great. So later, Fett is teaching the Tuscans how to op- operate the accelerators and the brakes. Uh, <laughs> like he's like going forward, back, forward, back. And then he's this gif has just stolen the Internet. And uh, when he's trying to explain to them, he's like, like a panther. When the clubs reopen, that's what I'm going to be bringing. The banter. The banter. <laughs> oh, it's, I cracked up. Honestly, I absolutely cracked up. It was so funny. And this is what I mean uh, when I think, when I say that Tamora Morrison is having the time of his life with this role at the minute. He's really exploring different things with this character. And, you know, we've always pictured Boba Fett as this serious, dark, moody loner gunsling a badass and here he is like a panther <laughs> you know just having just having fun with these tuscans you know trying to explain to them something that they can maybe understand um but what do you what do you think of of, of, of all this and and tamura morrison's performance as this character in this iteration this is this just killed me yeah uh, I, I never thought i'd live long enough to witness the, the boba fett school of driving <laughs> and now i kind of wish this was the show in one of my strange thoughts him teaching these guys how to ride bikes yeah so you just never think you're gonna see and it's so like enjoyable and satisfying in the strangest way and i just love any again uh, i've said it way too many times but part of what i love about shows and things about robberies is seeing the preparation and i love seeing all these guys who've never used a machine in their lives aside from a rifle have to learn to drive these like (laughs) high-speed vehicles Oh yeah, it's it's just so much fun. Yeah, it, it's hilarious, and I love how like they're really struggling to learn how to operate the bikes. But he's also teaching them how to leap mm. from one bike to the other. And I, I Nile, I don't, I never knew I wanted to see so many Tuscans fall off bikes. <laughs> I again, I don't know why, but I just it was cracking me up seeing all those Tuscans fall off the bikes. <laughs> Oh, so good. So at the same time, while he's teaching them to, you know, use the speeder bikes and stuff for that, they're also uh, practicing with the uh, gaffy sticks and learning how to knock weapons out of opponent's hand. So uh, we then get into the approaching hover train. Like, uh, they grab all their weapons, jump on the speeder bikes, and as the Tuscans in the trenches exchange fire with the pike gunners, Fett and the other Tuscans riding speeder bikes pursue the train 
Some of the Tuscans on bikes manage to board the train, but face resistance from the gunners, and some of them get killed. Um, Fett rescues rescues one of them and uses the grappling hook to latch onto the hover train. They jump across the carriages and fight several of the emerging sentries. As they approach the train engine, the pike guards take up position and fire on the advancing Tuscans, taking some of them down. And then the warrior Tuscan rams her bike into one of the carriages, damaging one of the connectors. However, she fails to split the train's carriages. And then the driver droid <laughs> accelerates the engine, causing the hover train to accelerate rapidly. Uh, she manages to board the train and proceeds to fight all the pike gunners, killing and throwing out several of them. She takes out the lead pike gunner and his companions. Realizing that the Tuscans are winning, the driver droid fires up the engine, causing a blast to knock off one of Fed's Tuscan allies. <laughs> Again, that was quite funny. Um, I'll stop right there. Um, Niall, you, as you said, we love a good train heist. Uh, what do you make of this train heist here? The, f the first half of it, anyway. Yeah, this, this is really fun. I love how difficult it was for them even to get onto it. Yeah, there's a, there is a real sense of an uphill battle. Because, you know, something I've complained about on some episodes of the various shows is sometimes things are too easy. Because <laughs> the problem is when you put, like, a lot of, um, like, you know, badass warrior archetypes into one room, like, you know, we're against stormtroopers. <laughs> they're screwed but uh, this is great because it's like kind of two very competent people and some tribesmen who learned to drive the day before <laughs> which is really fun i've actually got a question for you jake because i believe yeah. you mentioned it in the last episode that you really wanted to see the pike syndicate and uh here they are so how how did you feel about seeing them here uh it was great i mean I think like, I noticed them on the first time we saw the hover train. Yeah. We, got, we got a quick glance and mm. I was like, wait, was that a pike? I wasn't 100% sure. I thought it was. Then we see them more here and I was like, yeah! I was, it was another fist-pumping moment for me. Further adding in, you know, the Clone mm. Wars lore into live actions. and um, like, You know, thinking about... I was kind of initially disappointed when I saw the pike that we saw in Solo mm. because I was like, oh, it doesn't really look like the Pikes from Clone Wars and stuff like that. Um, so I was a bit disappointed. But then having seen them here and then thinking about what the Pikes actually <laughs> look like in mm. the Clone Wars, I'm like, mm, yeah, I can understand why they would have had to make some changes yeah. uh, to the way they look, not so tall and skinny and yeah. with the weirdly shaped head. The, uh, the so one in Solo was like the boss Nass of the Pikes. For some reason, he, he just looks nothing like him. Nothing like <laughs> them. He had like steam coming yeah. out of that stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it was, but it was so good to see the Pikes. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was great. It was great. Yeah, and, it, you know, just seeing all these... Because um, over the years, these um, all the shows have set up like snippets of the crime world of this universe so it's really fun when they converge especially in something like this which is probably like the most crime focused project since solo in terms of like the organized crime of this world mm -hmm. and it, you know it's something i've always really loved and uh it's paying off in dividends here isn't it <laughs> it is it is um my uh fist pumping moment for the warrior tuscan as well is when you know they're going through um the boba and all the other tuscans are fighting and they're, they're no, they're not doing so good yeah. at the minute. They're struggling. And it's that shot of the Tuscan warrior coming in on the speeder bike. <laughs> I just raised my hands. It was such an epic moment. And then the way she moves, like jumps yeah. on the speeder bike, jumps off it and climbs in. And then takes out all those guys. And then there's 
this untentional funny moment, I think, uh, where you know where she pulls him down from yes. underneath. It was just hilarious how the, he's like, fight. He's like, ah. <laughs> and then she just pops her head up. Yeah, the whack-a-mole <laughs> moment. It, it was hilarious. Yeah. And I don't think it was meant to be funny. I just found a lot of amusement from it. I No, I can't believe they, they wouldn't have thought that was funny on set. I have to go with, yeah. it's funny. It's yeah. I vote, it, it's it, funny. It's so good. I just um, uh, see, Seeing people get thrown off a train is always a delight. The only f- disappointment was when you see someone hit the ground and I realize, oh yeah, there's no wheels. Because seeing someone get hit by a train or go under a train, you know, that's cinema too. But uh, <laughs> we're, cool. we're living in the Star Wars, you know? We are. It was also cool how Boba, like, used the gaffy stick to wrap uh, around one of the necks of the pikes and just yes. launch him out. That was, that <laughs> that was, was one was... of my moments. Yeah, that was a good one as well. Um, and poor Tuscan as well, getting blown in the air by the, the jet. <laughs> I, I was wondering as well during this, because this is... Um, there's a lot of similarities to a very similar sequence in Solo, um, yes. especially when they're lifting the things up to use for cover. And I, I like both of them a lot, you know, like just keep giving me the train heist and I'm happy. Uh, I forget where I was going with that other than I wish more people had maybe seen that movie because maybe we'd be seeing a lot, a lot more stuff like this a lot sooner. Maybe just like the natural way to see it going. Just a smaller like heist focused Star Wars is something I really adore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, I love this train sequence. It's just had so much energy. Do you know what I mean? And just momentum. Yeah, uh, it's just re- and really well, really well paced as well with the editing and stuff mm. like that. Um, so yeah, we carry on as uh, Fett forces his way into the train engine where he orders the driver droid to stop the vehicle, and this weird spidery droid <laughs> jumps out into the desert. Fett stru- struggles to stop the train, but eventually finds the brakes and uses the gaffy stick to disable the ship's engines causing it to break in the desert and the Tuscans shout in victory before proceeding to loot the train of the weapons and all the merchandise. I love how as well where they were take you know, when he's they're passing things out the, the window. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but one of the Tuscans as he gets something just goes It's <laughs> <laughs> like celebrating what they've just done. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh, several of the Tuscans are standing guard around the captive pikes and Fett is there as a leader now drinking from his black melon, uh, asking which one of them is the leader. The leader stands up, removes the mask, and Fett asks, why are you carrying spice? The pike leader's like, what is spice? (laughs) He then goes into a description of, you know, it's a certain spice from Kessel. The the pike leader's like, well, what does spice look like? And then you've got that great comedy moment of the two Tuscans (laughs) dropping the crater of spice, and Boba's like, well, it looks like that. (laughs) <laughs> and the, the pike's like okay you, you got us and i'm just like i was just a bit like come on guys like wh- who are you trying to kid like you're the pikes you are literally known for one thing only and that is spice in, in their defense they are talking to a man who looks like a crazy desert hobo that's true. well you he know. does say, they he does say oh we thought you were yeah yeah na- native ravagers <laughs> that's what i really like about the pikes is um they are so slimy but the way they've been portrayed in the media they are actually kind of a scary presence and when they're in that you know that final season of clone wars as villains mm. uh, yeah, they're like scary. oh these actually feel like guys who will hurt our characters <laughs> they're not like the, the almost comedic villains we used to at times but yeah, it's fun to see them get their comeuppance, but I can't help but fear 
uh, Boba Fett's honor has landed them all in hot water. That's what I'm thinking. I'm th- he's ruffled up a lot of feathers here with the pikes. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I, I mean, I have to do this being like a you know an ex film student, but I love all the kind of Lawrence of Arabia stuff with the sequence, mm-hmm. like the train and this uh, this guy coming in and helping the the locals take this thing down and oh, it's just great. Even the shot of them sat with all the stuff outside. Yeah, no, really great stuff. Anything that reminds me of an epic is always really fun. Yeah, I I think I said that last week that I yeah. felt elements of like Dancers with Wolves, mm. Lawrence of Arabia, and even bits of Dune. Um, yeah. But I, I did want to bring this up because I'm glad you brought the Lawrence of Arabia reference because I wanted to bring this up. Something that's been making the waves online, uh, causing a bit of controversy. I don't know if you've seen. Oh no! Uh, certain is Lawrence of Arabia cancelled? I don't know. No, no. Uh, <laughs> it's he's more dead. people. It's more people. Uh, people maybe cancelling Boba Fett. Oh no! Uh, he's such a great guy. <laughs> I know, uh, but no, there is this thing going on online that is this just another white savior story? Yeah. Or even if, even if technically Timur Morrison isn't r- white, I mean he is of an indigenous. Yeah, in the context of Star Wars, I guess, you know. In the context of Star Wars, is it still playing upon that trope? What do you think, Niall? Well, I saw this going around a lot when Dune came out as well. I think that is largely a misunderstanding of the story Dune is telling, which goes out of its way in the first 10 minutes to to say, who will our next oppressor be? Hard cut to Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I think this is shaping him up as he's someone who's going to bring more ruin than anything. Which, you know, is the Lawrence of Arabia story is is something historically, of course, the real figure debated to this day. You know, was he a hero or did he just get all these people killed, you know? Uh, I think, yeah, I think I think that term, I think it does have a good use in some media. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's become one of these things. It's a downside of like the TV tropes era of kind of engaging with films and TV is sometimes they're used preemptively. Like, you got to wait for the whole thing to be out as well. Because maybe it will fall into that. Maybe I'm talking out my butt at the moment. You know, maybe it will it will screw up in that way. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that now. But, you know, it's it's so early into it. And mm-hmm. so far, he's a man. If anything, I'm like, I think it's almost crazier that he's so fond of these Tuscans. Because they kidnapped him and kind of enslaved him briefly. You know, and he had to, like, just murder a giant monster to win their respect. It is similar to Dune in the sense yeah. of the Fremen. Yeah. Who- who they have a sense of honor and respect, but they're also brutal. Yeah, you know, you, you, don't don't mess with them. Yeah, sort of thing. And and don't worry, listeners, because I know we've been away for like quite a few months, and obviously June is a, uh, you know, it's the big boy of sci-fi of last year, and I hope we get to like a chance to delve into that at some point. <laughs> you know, we we have I mean, off the air. I mean, there's a lot of parallels between June yeah, and yeah. Star Wars, so we'll uh, make a reason George, to talk about it. We'll, uh, you know. That there's the there's the connection of Lucas being yeah. inspired by it and the connection of David Lynch as well. So because I thought that it cracked me up when the Pike asked, "What is spice? What does it look like?" I was thinking of the a meme you've been showing, Jacob. You going to parties talking about June? June, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've imagined talking to a Pike, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, too early, too early to say about the the white savior trope. But uh, yeah, but I'm glad people are asking the question because it means they are engaging. You know, I hope they are just genuinely watching it and reacting is not just looking for maybe controversy where there is none that's all i'll say i hope it comes from a place of genuine good criticism 
I hope so as well. Yeah. Uh, I think which from Star Wars is famous for. Uh, well, yes, I mean th- there there is it is a big debate. I'm seeing both sides to it, and I'm seeing both of those types of people. Some people that are coming uh, looking at it from a genuine yeah like a- angle or perspective, and other people I think just looking to cause some cause some, some ruckus. Chaos. Yeah, yeah, cause some chaos on the internet. Um, so anyway. We'll go into the last little bit of this section. So the Pike leader says that they assumed that the Tuscans were uncivilized raiders and says that they're just trying to protect their route. Uh, Fett replies that the Dune Sea is no longer free for the Pikes to pass since the Tuscans claim the territory as ancestral ground and that if they want to pass, a toll will have to be paid. He warns that any death dealt by traveling uh, will be returned by traveling trains will be returned tenfold. And then he tells the pikes to all walk in single file in the direction of the high sun, explaining that it will lead them to Anchorhead by sunset. Then you get into a little funny exchange about how they're going to get there and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, what do you make up the whole wrap up here? And for me, I think this is the f- like in a way Boba's beginning of how we see him in the present day stuff. Uh, his his like life mission, you could say. Of ruling with respect and not fear. There's an, I think that's the beginnings of it here, where he's like, "Look, I'm gonna let you live. Yeah, the, you know, head off that way. Just tell me what I want to know, and these are the rules from now on." Yeah. No, I see that, but I also see it. Um, it's probably a decision that pays into all his difficulties. We're seeing him have is almost like being too lenient. Like, you know, it's over at speculation for us, but I think we're just both reading the room as best we can. Like, we know these guys from other media, so it's, um, I don't see it ending well. I was going to say it reminds me, I've only watched a bit of this show, but in, I think, the very first episode of Boardwalk Empire, which is, uh, you know, made by friend of the show, Martin Scorsese, <laughs> uh, there's a quote from a character who tells Steve Buscemi, you can't be half a gangster, which I think is really interesting. You know, you can't, like, pretend to be a great guy and also be like a, a super criminal it's a an interesting dichotomy and i'm wondering where the show is going to land on that in a way like by the end of it will he still be in crime or will he realize there's kind of no way to do this without mm-hmm. kind of betraying your principles in a lot of ways mm. well also uh should i bring in marvel it's also very similar to like black panther in the where t'chaka tells t'challa yeah. like it's you know you're a good man, but it's very hard to be a good man and a good king. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of that element there. Yeah. Which I really like. So, but I agree with you, Niall. I think this is going to come bite Boba back in the ass. Um, you don't mess with the Pikes. You especially don't let them live uh, to go and to go back to the Pike Syndicate and say, hey, these are the rules. The Pike Syndicate are not going to accept those rules. Yeah. Uh, and as we said earlier, I can only see this as tragedy. Yeah. Uh, for this for this tribe of Tuscans, which is very sad. I think. Uh, well, I think the genre of Boba's book might be tragedy. <laughs> I think <laughs> <See>? it is. <laughs> it seems to be the running theme uh, through this series. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, w- um, what's uh, closes off now with the last bit of the show? Okay. Well, here's where things get a bit spicy. <laughs> so uh, later that night the Tuscan chief explains that since the oceans of Tatooine have dried up they have stayed hidden he says that the other tribes have survived by killing and when he says they have stayed hidden I just presume he means his people and not them specifically yeah. <laughs> you know, I realised when I said that it sounded a bit too present tense um, <laughs> yeah but uh, the Tuscan chief gives Fett a gift hilariously stating that this gift will be a good guide 
It turns out to be a lizard in a tiny basket that climbs into Boba Fett's nostril. The chief explains that the lizard will guide him from inside his head. Fett's vision becomes blurry and his body convulses. He finds himself walking through the deserts of Tatooine and sees a vision of trees and oceans. There are creatures with red eyes and he also experiences flashbacks of climbing out of the Sarlacc as well as his childhood on Kamino watching his father leave on the fire spray slash slave one. I don't know what the current <laughs> name is. Boba Fett Starship. Boba Fett Starship. <laughs> uh, at the time, Jango Fett Starship. Jango Fett's, yeah. <laughs> the vision ends with him emerging uh, while the ocean roars. So we've got to stop and talk about this a bit, especially because we just we talked we we talk about Dune as well. And this is a very <laughs> Dune-esque flashback. And also Black Panther, where you know the tree <laughs> reminded me of the Wakandan kings and taking weird drugs and- <laughs> yeah so this is you know we got so much mileage maybe too much mileage out of the spice dreams quote much, yeah. from Mandalorian season two so it's good we actually kind of see that this guy has had crazy visions um yeah no this was a this was really fun I like the imagery in it it's um really in- you know really interesting and it's something we've not really seen in non-Jedi characters is these kind of bizarre visions. Um, yeah, but Jake, uh, how did you find all what transpired? Well, the thing is, as you mentioned, we've had this running joke now since we heard Boba talk about a spice dream. I'm like, oh, what's a spice dream? <laughs> like, um, And w- I was sort of half joking, half serious, uh, going into Book of Boba Fett saying, I want to see him have a spice dream. Like, I want to see him get high on spice and have like find himself in the desert or something. And oh my god, they gave me exactly what I wanted. I had no idea they were I didn't think they would do something like this. Um and for me, like when Star Wars gets weird, it's great. Like when we're, we're, we're like I, I when I think of like Mortis and all of these weird concepts, this is another one, but it's a lot more spiritual. Um and I just again the performance by Tamara Morrison yeah. as well, a lizard. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. He's a bit, sh- he's a bit shocked, but yeah. he's like, oh, it's a lizard. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely so good. And then like the weird blurry minx. And for me, like this is definitely a story of, as we keep mentioning, tragedy. And this man who's trying to build his path, find his way in this galaxy. Um, he's never really had his own life uh, as me and dave spoke about last week you know he's always been under the shadow of his father he's always needed to prove himself to be the most notorious bounty hunter in the galaxy he's always been under someone's thumb whether that be jabba or the empire or anything like that he's never been his own guy and you see that in his visions where he's like you know back and forth between him and the armor and stuff like that um, seeing his father, you know, that yeah. was, a, again, cool shot of Camino mm. and the, the slave one heading off. That was so good. And, man, i got to admit, it's, it, granted, it's easier to do when you're doing on a reflective surface like a yeah a, a window. But the CGI to make Daniel Logan look pr- quite young because he's credited in the credits. Oh, that really? Is Daniel, that is Daniel Logan's, um, at least his likeness. Oh, I wonder, is, was it so some kind of archive footage maybe reused? I'm not sure because they did, yeah, because yeah, they did reshoot mm. the scene from Attack of the Clones in the first episode, which has also caused a lot of controversy. I, um, on I, I had read somewhere, I think it might have even been Pablo Hidalgo said that that was actually an alternate angle 
and they had to do like a new backing plate for it because of course it was on yeah. green screen so it's yeah. like you know it's a bit of i wouldn't really call it a reshoot more of like a reuse it's like um, a, a gold yeah. squadron in rogue one it's like oh this footage you know let's I, th- I think it's really cool they can do it i might be wrong in that the moment where the lizard goes up the nostril that's when i decided that old woman wants to move seats she does not want to be behind me on this bus anymore. <laughs> she was like, I've seen enough. I, don't, I... I, I went up to go to the bathroom on the bus after the episode had finished and the look she gave me. I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. We were wearing masks, like, but... <laughs> questionable. Very questionable. questionable. <laughs> uh, what did you make of uh, Boba's high experience? Oh, man. Well, you know, this is saying... I, you know, I thought the episode was like over after the heist. Then yeah. I think I may, might have moved my mouse and I saw it was 10 minutes left. And I was like, oh yeah, Disney Plus credits. They're usually like 10 minutes long, aren't they? Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. Good to see a, a brilliant acid trip sequence. Uh, that I think is like, yeah, as you said, I think it's setting up a lot of the kind of, you know, the, the thematic stuff we're going to see. I like, because I, I've seen that take go on a lot about um you know him being under people's shadows for so long but whenever people say he was under his dad's shadow i always think like he seemed like such a weirdly nice dad in the brief time we saw him be a dad you know he didn't seem like very like demanding or pushy almost i don't even know if he wanted him to take up the job <laughs> i don't know that's the thing like i i, I agree with you he's a very loving father <laughs> as we see it but at the same time like remember when he's like um after Obi-Wan in the asteroid thing. Oh, yeah. He, he's showing him all the moves, and Boba's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's doing that weird laugh. So, I, I don't know, man. If, if me and my dad were in that situation, I'd also be having fun. <laughs> I mean, it is quite funny. Yeah. But he's like, oh, let's get rid of this guy. <laughs> like, so, you know, he's teaching him how to kill and, and do all sorts of things. Uh, and, you know, there is a lot to be said about that, sh- that shot of him just holding his father's... Head. Hopefully just the, yeah. Hopefully just the helmet. Maybe the heads. Oh, it'd be kind of weird yeah. if the head was still in there. Oh man, it's messed up. It is a bit messed up. But there's still this is very powerful image about what he now thinks he has to do for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, out of honor of his father, you could say, which is int- it's just interesting. I, I love all this thematic stuff that we're doing with Boba Fett. Yeah. So the the following day, Fett returns to the camp. Where he's greeted by the vi- uh, everyone there, and. <laughs> This is a great sentence. The lizard emerges from his nostrils. He remarks he <laughs> thought that was just part of the dream. And he presents a branch, which he's brought home as well, which is kind of saying that happened in the vision. He snaps it off, but you're not sure how literal it is until we get back to this time. They lead him inside a tent where Tuscans clothe him with uh, robes, scarves, and bandages. And there's a. I've been watching a lot of pro wrestling over Christmas because it's one of the few things me and my brother both enjoy. And there's a shot of Boba with a hood up. He looks so much like The Undertaker that it, it destroyed me. So he emerges from the tent and greets his Tuscan friends. They head towards the desert, towards a wrecked site, which is something of a forge, where they turn the branch into a new gaffy stick, uh, which he helps to carve the weapon, heats it in an oven. You know, it's nice to end the episode in like a bit of like craftsmanship. You really get everything in here. It's a, an episode that starts kind of high octane and... Kind of dies down in a nice dies way. Dies down, as it? yeah. Yeah. So later that night, he presents his new stick to the rest of the clan. And then they, they have a parody. <laughs> he does he does his hardcore drugs the night before and then parodies the next night. Like, 
he's like uni level of crazy right now. <laughs> After he's made his gaffy stick. You, re- you yeah. return home in like your underpants. You've just carried a branch. And it's like, yeah. what he's has just he got, had? He's just got a first on his... Uh, <laughs> 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 He makes his dad proud after all. It was right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's um that's uh the end of this week's episode. So um, yeah, Jake, your, what are your final thoughts? Well, final thoughts is I imagine they'll be consistent th- with your original thoughts in the episode. Uh, but before I get to my final thoughts, I, like th- this element of the episode of him arriving back in the camp, um, doing the gaffy stick, then getting clothed, then doing the dance and all that my favorite part of the episode oh cool like as i mentioned at the top that i felt very connected to this spiritually emotionally yeah like following boba's journey i felt that in this part of the episode like i i don't know what I'm, i just felt it you yeah. know what i mean and the music was amazing to go along with it um it was just like i said they kept they kept they um kept their time with it you know they didn't rush it they made sure that you had the little bit or he carves the little bit there he puts the little bit metal on there it was a process you know what i mean and i just got very emotional and then the dance at the end like i remember seeing like in the behind the scenes the disney gallery of mando season two uh, when they're talking about the boba episode uh tamura morrison is talking about his oh, the, fighting, the hacker, no, yeah, the yeah, yeah, his the fighting style was like the hacker, mm. um, and I got a lot of that here, and I, I can clearly see maybe Tamura Morrison's influence in this sh- scene here, and saying I want to bring some of my indigenous culture into this scene and have a party <laughs> like we do back there <laughs> around a bonfire and like doing these cool moves and stuff like that. It was just so epic, do you know what I mean? And then the ah, and the music. So, so good. I loved every moment of this. Uh, and then I also love the little reference to the little pl- with the place where he, the forgery where he's making his gaffy stick is uh, once again, unused Ralph McQuarrie art um, of, of the, but you know that famous image of the Tuscan Raider by Ralph McQuarrie? I think I do. It's, yeah. If you, see, if you see it, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Well, you've got the Tuscan Raider and then in the background there's like this, structure oh it's right the, yeah it, it's the exact same structure that we see in in that episode oh, in that moment great again like ralph mcquarrie have we ever had an episode not mentioning him in some way but his influence is incredible but you also have to wonder like man he did a lot oh yeah like for, for them to still be mining this stuff <laughs> yeah because i think we always give like it's always funny star wars i think i've brought this up before like with uh, people are very funny with crediting people it's always like this is all george lucas so this is all kevin kennedy or this was all dave filoni and like or john williams some people are like you know he holds a thing up which is like okay you know what actually maybe yeah but uh ralph mcquarrie it's, needs to be a tentpole because like yeah, holy I mean, hell i mean it's, it's i never believe it's, in one person team, but it? there's certain people you're like without them this thing is so different Oh, absolutely. But then again, you also have to look at how these people work with the other people. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's all, it's uh, as Qui-Gon says, it's a, it's a symbiote circle. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because he's, he's great. And I think we've talked offline about um, Doug Chang, who's kind of like the modern yep. equivalent, who from the prequels onwards has led so much visual design. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's keeping that spirit alive, but also innovating in so many ways. But what, what, did, what did you think of the 
the, the ending of this episode, like this whole spiritual process thing. Yeah, no, this is, this is all really, really lovely. And I couldn't help but think, and this might be a really tenuous connection. So if it is, I wish you had a buzzer, like on one of those guest shows to be like, shut up. But uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't oh, help go, but go think ahead. of the, um, the Ilum episodes of Clone Wars, where these characters are also faced with kind of visions to get to their sacred weapon. And it's like, there's a weird contrast to it. And I wonder, is this a thing like cultures that maybe don't naturally access the force so easily with the help of these things like Spice and June, it brings them to a higher place of thinking and intuition. And you kind of find your way in a culture that way. Because I know I'm in the EU. Uh, it's kind of Zuckus's species. They use gases for things like that. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know if all of that's crazy if I'm doing like the, the Pepe Silvia conspiracy board right now. No. But, I, you know, it's potential poetry. It could be the name for a new podcast. I mean, well, we know Dave Filoni's involved yeah. in the show. So, yeah, I would imagine so. And like you could call it poetry. I like to use the term emotional canon. Oh. Because uh, it's, ca- it's canon. It's happened before, but it's drawing on something more emotional yeah. than, like a f- than like a fact. I don't need to see it like in a visual dictionary describing it. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is for me, you know? I, yeah. I won't force my opinions on people, but uh, I guess if you're listening to the podcast, I kind of am because you can't talk back. Sorry, listening. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> we're all right. George Lucas just called us, told us we're right. Sorry. Yes. It's going to be great. Friend of the show. <laughs> People like the bad guys. People like the bad guys. And I think that makes us the bad guys, Jake. I suppose so. Well, people like us. <laughs> uh, All right, then, so, yeah, let, let's... What are your final thoughts on the on the episode now? And where do you think... What do you hope for, maybe, the next episode going forward? Uh, my hope is that, in a way, we're wrong. And it's not all going to be a tra- as tragic as possible. I know it probably is, and it'll be better for the story. But uh, it's just going to be hard for us to go through. And, you know, it's been a tough couple of years. Let us off. That's what I say. But, uh, no, I'm I'm really excited to see what happens next. Um, I'm hoping now they've laid enough groundwork for the modern day stuff. So maybe I'd be okay if the next one was more the modern day stuff to kind of get it up to speed of interest. Because, um, you know, they've set up a lot now. And, unfortunately, just through how it's been paced so far, his modern stuff is him kind of just, like, walking to the same kind of buildings Places. and having interactions uh you know i know that sounds really reductive but just we've had very little of it in a lot of ways you know mm. and that's i would the... say plot plot story wise yeah yeah and the whole show is like premised on this that um credit scene kind of promises this and i'm glad they don't just do the things they promised because that'd be boring but um but in a way that's been on my mind for over a year so it's saying like man i really want to see what becomes of this but of course there's what five more episodes left mm-hmm. so yeah we're gonna get it so i yeah yeah there's pl- plenty of time plenty of time as i say just engage with the story that's presented us and let the story unfold for what it is um and yeah, yeah and I- wait for it to be finished before you make sweeping criticisms of the whole intent of the show i would say it's okay yeah. to do but i think wait till it's a complete picture yeah and then go, this is it, this is that, yeah. and so forth. And then we can have, hopefully, an intellectual discussion about this online. Yeah. Probably probably not, though. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to stay offline for that time because we're... I, uh, yeah. We're weak-hearted, gonna... sweet young men. <laughs> we can't take it. As I've been doing, um, 
because I haven't been able to see uh, these episodes as soon as I wake up because I have to go to work. So I have to wait till the because I have to wait till the evening. So I just mute like all relevant words on Twitter related to Boba Fett. Uh, and I think just for like 24 hours until I've seen the episode. Um, but I think when the finale comes out, I'm going to have to mute that for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> or something. It's, it's funny just for um, some context as well, because I'm uh, currently unemployed. So I watch these things first thing in the morning. And then I just kind of sit around for a day holding my tongue because the only two people I'm going to discuss it with won't <laughs> see it till the evening. <laughs> so that's a that's a tough cross for me to bear. So keep me in your thoughts these next few yeah. days. But ex- excited for the next episode. Very much like you. Um, I want them to maybe progress a bit more in the present day stuff. Like I said, I'm a fan of the present day stuff. I just want uh, a bit more development on the plot. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind if like they did a, something similar to this week where maybe open with the Tuscan stuff, mm. 10, 15 minutes, and then give us the bulk of like the present day stuff. That would be you know, just to progress that a lot more. But I love this episode. As I said, it's one of the finest things I've ever enjoyed of Star Wars television. Um, it moved me quite a lot and I can't wait to see where they go with this. Really, really enjoying this uh, show. So um, let's get out of here then, Niall. Let's get out of here. Uh, where can the people find you and what are you getting up to? Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Niall the Glynn. But uh, we should say we also have like a new, uh, fairly new Twitter f- just for the show, which I'm also behind. So um, yeah, find us either way. Uh, so I'm at Niall the Glynn on Twitter, yeah. And we're at Monday Lorians as well. So, you know, follow us both. Because I retweet a lot of the stuff anyway, or, you know, it works both ways. I'm just confusing things now. <laughs> no, just follow, follow, follow both Nile and Monday Lorians. Yeah, F- follow, follow Monday Lorians for the facts. Follow Nile for the jokes. Yeah, um, <laughs> they say wisdom is being able to hold two contradictory ideas at the same time, and I don't know if this proves it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you could uh, follow me on Letterbox as well. I don't really um, advertise it as much because I'm occasionally I think I write kind of decent little reviews on and sometimes i'm just glib or have nothing to say so it's kind of like it's that again it's the, the duality of man isn't it <laughs> you're going through your own spiritual journey you need a lizard to go up your nose yeah and, uh... uh yeah so uh, jake uh, we've talked we've referenced uh, comics and things a few times throughout and i hear mm-hmm. you're a comic boy so why don't you uh, let us know what you're up to yes you can uh, catch my other podcast that i do with dave uh, and our friend Tom Gapper called Capes, Cows and Masks, where we talk everything superheroes, Marvel, DC and all that good stuff. You can catch us uh, wherever you get podcasts from. Uh, and you can also catch me personally on Twitter at Sweaty Jake, uh, talking Star Wars and all things nerd and also on Letterboxd, where I don't usually write as much, just sort of give ratings, but still follow me on there and we can uh, talk about movies. Uh, and as for the show, you can find an... Find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, all the places where you get podcasts from. Please subscribe and follow us on there. And if you're on Apple, leave us a rating and a review as it all helps us go up in the rankings. And tell all your friends that this is the Book of Boba Fett podcast to be listening to where we get up to all sorts of shenanigans and talk about spice dreams and black croissants. (laughs) (laughs) This is the one to go to if you want yeah again like a nice blend of you know us actually speculating on how much we've watched like we've got a a level of expertise but also we go unhinged at times we do and it's hard to reel back (laughs) 
<laughs> we're desert hobos and daimyos in one go. In one again, the, the duality of man. Duality of man. That's the theme of the episode. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if the duality of man returns <laughs> next week as we discuss episode three. We'll see you all, guys, next week. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Thank <laughs> you.